What is the most awkward conversation you've had about sex? Call one eight three three nine two seven five six eight three in order to answer this question. This is for dating positives who's supporting the podcast and made me their spokesperson. So I'm really excited to announce that. I'm glad that you guys have been contributing to this podcast and allowing me to be here to just serve you. And it's just drawing the attention of other people who also support people who are living with herpes and trying to destigmatize this thing and make our lives just a little bit easier, even in the dating realm with being able to find other people that you don't have to worry about having the conversation about disclosure to, even if you're just making friends, if you're looking to date, if you're looking to hook up, whatever it is that you're looking for, um, I always encourage you just to be upfront about whatever your intentions are. So check out Dating Positives, and if you don't feel comfortable calling that call line, which is 833-YES-LOVE, shoot them a DM. They're just Dating Positives on social media, and they support this podcast. They support me. They made me their spokesperson. I've contributed a few blog posts on Waxo, which is just W-A-X-O-H. Please also go there and check it out. I just recently wrote an article about my experience of having sex after herpes and what that's been like and how I've been able to just really be open to a lot of new opportunities around that and exploring what sex is beyond just penis and vagina or penis and mild sex. So check that out. You can find it on waxo.com, W-A-X-O-H. And please don't forget to leave those voicemails, call in, and we may even be able to play your response on the podcast. So just let them know what it is that was the most awkward conversation that you had about sex by calling in that number, one eight three three yes love that's that's 833-927-5683. That's what we go for every time. It doesn't always turn out that way, but in the event that it does, welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brame. Today I'm here with Carly. What's your last name, Carly? Carly Morell. Carly Morell. I, I thought it was Mural. I'm glad I didn't say it because I would have messed it yeah, up. Yeah, or Merle. Merle, get over here. <laughs> Uh, but I'm here with Carly Morell and her cat. What's your cat name? Barnaby. Barnaby. Beans. Barnaby Beans. Everyone knows her as Beans. Oh, how old is she? She just turned six in October. Oh, you had her the whole yeah, time so as a kitten or did her, you adopt her? Yes, I did. But I was going to say her and your podcast of like the same birthdays. No way. Like October something? <laughs> October, uh, shit, I guess. I don't remember. I uploaded the first podcast to the um, podcast hosting site in October, I believe. So it's been, yeah, about a year and two months. About 14 months now. Cool. Yeah, time flies when you're having fun. Mm-hmm. We have a lot that we want to talk about. Just <laughs> in your life, your interests, your who you are as a person, and we spoke for a while yesterday and just decided to go ahead and set this up now um, while it was fresh, and I'm so happy to have you on here. I'm happy to have seen that you're open about your HSV status on your page and so willing to help the people who come across your page and they find you or follow you. What kind of response have you gotten since being open about having HSV? Well, first, I want to thank you, too, for having me on here. I'm super excited. I have, like, butterflies. This is my first and first, hopefully, of many podcasts. Um, but the the reaction I've gotten has been nothing but love and support. And um, 
yeah, it's been overwhelming, uh, you know, kind of like helping people through their first diagnosis and everything and kind of taking me back to that moment when I was first diagnosed. Um, but I was ready for some backlash and maybe some past lovers coming up. Uh, but it's just been a lot of support. It's been really great. Mm-hmm. And that was probably your biggest concern was just getting some negativity back from being open. Like, what did you really expect to happen though? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, it was just time for me to just to put it out there. Um, I've had it since I was 17. So the last 10 years and really half that time was pretty rough. And I felt really alone. Besides my partners I was with, I didn't have a whole lot of support or anyone to really talk to about it, especially when you have an outbreak and you can get so inside your own head and so down on yourself. But I actually started taking this supplement called Balance and just kind of getting on this journey of feeling more connected with my body. And this supplement is uh, for women and uh, balances out your hormones, your estrogen, your progesterone. And I wanted to get my period back. Um, I've been on birth control for probably about the same amount of time I've had herpes, about 10 years. And it kind of started with me wanting to get my period back and kind of taking people through that journey of getting back in touch with the, my feminine side. And that's just where all your creativity comes from and your healing comes from. And it really just kind of came out in story. I mean, it, it was one, wanting to feel more connected to my body, but two, wanting to, I was just looking for anything to help me with my symptoms. And so I just came out and said it. It was just like, you know, uh, birth control period. Da, da, da. And also I've had herpes and the supplement had really helped me. And then when I just kind of blurped that out on a story, it wasn't even a post. It was like very obvious to me that there was a big group of people out there that I could help. And just by owning it for a moment, it helped a lot of people. So I was like, okay, here we go. (laughs) This is a big way that I could serve people. And one of my sayings is be who you needed when you were younger and what any better way than sharing my story and helping some people through the struggle. That's really an important thing that you said, be who you needed to be in the moment or be who you need to be or needed to be. Be who you needed when you were younger. Oh, okay. I completely butchered that. But um, <laughs> very recently, yesterday, last night, um, someone reached out to me and was like, yo, I wish I had this podcast when I was first diagnosed or I wish I had <laughs> access to this. And that's where I was. I was in that same place. When I started doing this for a while, it didn't hit me right away like how necessary this would have been or how helpful this would have been to me when I was diagnosed six or seven years ago. So for you to be able to put something out there to the world, it's like, okay, I just needed to know that someone I knew had gone through a very similar struggle to what I've been through and just feel a sense of connectedness there and have someone to look to have some kind of support and to be that for other people is very, it's very powerful in the healing process because you've had it for 10 years. I've had it for six and seven, almost seven years now. And our journeys led us to a place where 
I think over time we might have both just gotten comfortable with it. Is that in the ballpark? Yeah, and I think, too, I had a good uh, relationship with my following and had really represented myself. And in the last year, quit cookie-cutting it. Like, quit just showing all the happy, positive side. Like, a lot of me is positive, but um, herpes was such a big part of my journey. It's the whole reason why, you know, not the whole reason, but a big push into the fitness industry, nutrition, supplements, herbs, holistic healing, yoga. Like, I don't know what else I would have done, you Mm -hmm. know? And um, so presenting myself like I did and then just coming out and saying it, people were like, oh, my God, look at her doing her thing, living her life and having this, you know, I can do that, too. And um, also, when people reach out to me, I'm so happy to turn them to your podcast and then a couple other pages, positive results and just like sex positive accounts and just having this network of people like I feel like it happened overnight it was just like I opened up the door I was open to it and the universe was like okay here's all your new people and then I saw that there I haven't listened to it but there's another podcast called living with herpes I was like holy shit like even two oh, years that ago one's, uh, that's life with herpes with uh, Alexandra Harbushka I haven't listened to that one yet but I um like even two years ago I just uh, put in the search bar herpes in podcasts and there was like two episodes not even channels and they were like 20 minutes long and they weren't even like i'm living with herpes it was here's what you can do or don't do when you're having an outbreak you know yeah. and then of course at that point i was so vulnerable that i would just do absolutely everything they said to do or absolutely nothing they said you know what i mean and um instead of just i mean it's all experimenting and figuring out what works best for you but the amount of resources out there today is so amazing yeah and that only happened when those people before us decided to open up about themselves and when people got an example of what it looked like to open up to the world and see how people are able to maneuver through that or how little impact or big of an impact that they had i think it encouraged more people to open up about it it made it easier so for all those people who did it before us and allowed themselves to be accessible found those are the people who really like model this uh this like anti-stigma almost because it doesn't apply to them the stigma i mean i don't even know what it is anymore i just know that the responses that people have to their diagnosis is i'm gonna be alone and, it's the end of the world. Yeah. Like, why, do, <laughs> why do we still believe that? The reason we still believe that is because while there are people who are open about HSV, one of the biggest challenges is finding community, finding support. Because like you said, you know, when you got access to those podcasts, you were presented with this is what you can do when you get an outbreak. You were presented with factual things, which is what we think we need right away. But it isn't what we actually need because we're diagnosed in a doctor. We get medication. We get a pamphlet that tells us exactly what you ended up finding. But there's no human connection. What we're really facing is an absence of connection. We have our identities so tied to our sexuality and the shame of contracting an STI just really shelters us and it makes us more closed off. It's 
I don't want anyone to know I have this. I'm going to be celibate. We say all this shit in the beginning of it. But in reality, it's like, it's a matter of, that's just a risk. It's a risk that we take when we're being sexually active, when we're having human contact. It's almost inevitable that we're going to be exposed to herpes at some time. And it's so challenging to get that through the masses' head of just how common this virus is and just how minimal of an effect that it has on so many people. Granted, there are a few people who have the worst symptoms, and I don't want to discredit those people by any means. Oh, yeah, because I was one of those people. Yeah, and <laughs> you're sitting there looking at me like, where is he going with this? <laughs> but Well, because I don't want to scare anyone either, you know? Like, my story isn't a pretty one. There was bouts of depression and hopelessness and pain and just getting home and instantly taking off my pants and just, like, walking around naked and just putting stuff on it or just downing supplements and herbs and going down every avenue like there if I had had a community sooner I'm sure you know some of that would have been avoided but I wouldn't take any of my struggle back because it's led me here so yeah interesting you said that just now so I post a lot of just stuff asking questions and just thought-provoking things around uh, sex health sex education and Someone commented and said, if there was a cure, would you take it or would you stay positive? Because at the end of all my posts, I put stay positive. And this person was, no, this person was being a dick. (laughs) So I was going to respond and my gut reaction was no, but I was like, well, why is it no? After digging through it, it was like, well, if I had extreme symptoms, I would take a cure. If I was, uh, if I had partners who would be at risk, I would take a cure. But think about chlamydia and gonorrhea. These are things that people get often. So what are they really learning? Are they learning anything by having a cure for right. these things? I got, I've also had chlamydia. It was like, it was bad. And, well, well you know, it was like, I was so young and I like got the herpes diagnosis. And then I remember the freaking doctor calls my house. Mom answers. They tell my mother my test results, and I just hear my mom scream from the basement, Carly Merrill! I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> no. But did you and learn any? Still, and she, we still didn't have, like, a good sex talk even after that. Yeah. Like, come on now. <laughs> so did you learn anything from the chlamydia uh, diagnosis? Um, I mean, I haven't gotten it since. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but, I mean, no. I... I still was having unprotected sex. So, I mean, I was in committed relationships most of the time. We were monogamous. So, again, like you said, it's just the risk that you take. And I've actually been asking myself that, too, just now that I've come out with it and, like, I'm owning it and it's kind of building a foundation and I'm kind of building the community around it. I don't know if I would take a cure and i freaking hate all of these doctors doing there you go do the air quote who comment on your stuff when you like do hashtag herpes and they just bombard you with dr rubina cured me with these magical herbs <laughs> i'm just like send me over those studies and please oh, please yeah. send me over those studies because i definitely fell into that trap as well when i was down in the dumps and just you know willing to try and do anything Mm -hmm. Um, but now that I know that it's about balance, keeping my stress down and my immune system up and it's, it's really brought me in tune with my body. And, you know, when you disclose first thing in a relationship, it 
builds trust like instantly. So I don't know if I would take a care. I think it's good to have now in hindsight, after having it for a while and having my own experiences with it and having engaged with so many other people who've had their own experiences with herpes. I think that for dating in 2018, something like this is almost necessary. Uh, Something that weeds people out, something that gives you an opportunity to let someone in. And you also have to have the sexual health talk now. I didn't have that before I was diagnosed. And I know a lot of other people who've thought about it and been like, no, me neither. And so not taking a cure, or if I take the cure, then I just might revert back to the same behaviors that I did. Ignorance is bliss. Exactly. It's like, oh, we can cure that? Oh, okay. Because let's be honest, unprotected sex is fucking awesome. And I don't think that we need to look at it as like, having safe sex or protected sex. I think there's just safer sex that comes with knowing your status, um, weeding in better partners and being able to communicate and being able to establish some kind of trust. And people are going to hook up. So under those circumstances, you absolutely have to be aware of the risk and take those precautions and understand that despite taking the necessary precautions in a hookup culture, you still are at risk. And so yeah, the only thing you can be is safer. There is no such thing as being safe. We can be prepared, but we can't prevent what's inevitable if we are to continue to do what it is that we're doing. Yeah, we're still swapping bodily fluid. It's still, you know, not everything is covered and protected. Right. So you wouldn't take the cure pill? Today? Right now, <laughs> this I is something right. to think about. This is a real, it's a real question. No, yeah, I'm just like on my like high horse, like no. But <laughs> I mean, shit, I've had it for ten years. I think I've learned enough. It might be nice, but yeah. it's still when I do get outbreaks because I still frequently do. I know that like there's like days leading up to it where I hear my intuition being like. Carly, you need to rest. Mm -hmm. Carly, you need to get outside. Carly, you need to go for a drive by yourself. Carly, you you know. So, and then when I ignore, ignore, put it off, put it off, and I'm just, like, working or watching TV, um, then I get an outbreak. And so, in a way, it's, it really is kind of keeping me on the straight and narrow. Yeah. Um, so, she's kind of like my big sister or something. (laughs) (laughs) If you didn't have that, what would it be? How would we be able to... Because that's what I said, too. Like, I know if I'm getting stressed, if I'm overworking, almost the exact same thing that you just said about how if I feel an outbreak coming, I know something needs to be evaluated. I need to stop. I need to slow down. It's an intuition check. Yeah. It's just a little, like, check in with yourself. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. like, I will feel down there and, like, feel the little bump. And just, like, one time I I remember I even smiled and was like, I know. (laughs) <laughs> I know, girl. You slow down. Yeah, I like that. Um, and a lot of people just don't recognize it for that. Everyone, I mean, 99% of the population would, if there was a cure available, take it. I'm positive. And I don't blame them. I don't either. Not sure. at all. But I think I would rather it be this because it connected me and is connecting me to more and more of the people who I desire to be around I like the people who have been coming into my life as a result of this I like the person I am having this I don't know who I'd be without it maybe I'd go back to the same place it's a big piece of my identity yeah 
And then, like, what's this podcast? What would it be about if I wasn't cured? Right? If I was cured? Like, I would just remove the STDs from it and try interviewing people about their own personal successes in life. But who's that speaking to, I guess? If everyone's yeah. cured, no one needs this. No one, it's, I, would it do anything for anybody? Would it have the same effect? So these are all things that I have to think about as well you know, when that person asked me that question, but it was just something that really made me think and wonder. And just the timing of our conversation, I felt like I had to bring that up. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a lot of my identity is wrapped in to this. And since coming out and being public with it and seeing such a big opportunity to help, I love these people that are reaching out to me and I feel for them and I don't want to abandon them. So I wouldn't take it. Yeah. And it's a matter of being who you need it at that point in time. Like you see yourself in these people a bit ago and you can see these people getting to a place where you are right now, where you're at peace with your diagnosis and you've decided how to manage your herpes and chosen how to respond to it and how to navigate through life with it. Being able to be there is just such a powerful powerful thing not just for you not just for them but for everybody because in being there you're allowing these people who come to you to see the potential in themselves they look at you for guidance they look to you for that motivation for that inspiration you're doing everything that's not herpes related but you talk about herpes so in a way you're sending the message that herpes doesn't stop you from doing what it is that you want to do Today. (laughs) Today, right, today. (laughs) Definitely, definitely has and used to and definitely owning up to it has taken away some of the stigma and shame for me. And it's okay when you get an outbreak. It's okay. It sucks to be in pain for sure. But just having some compassion for yourself will go a long way. And that's tough for people to get to that place too. How do you learn to have compassion for yourself? How did you learn that? It was in 2017. I went to Costa Rica for a month and I did my yoga teacher training out there of February. And 2016 was a really big year of change. I was a stripper for the five years prior to that. Loved that job. That's a whole nother conversation, but um, totally positive experience there. Uh, But I knew that it was time for a change. My family knows that I dance. They always kind of ask me what was next. And with the reoccurring outbreaks, I knew that my time was ticking. And I think that was definitely something that fed into the stress, you know, um, having to go to work, having to deal with this, having to kind of work around the outbreak. So um, anyway, 2016 was a big year. I had a career change. I wasn't seeing my friends as much. I wasn't have to, uh, making as much money. I went through a breakup and uh, had to move back in with my parents. They're great. They're super supportive. But it was just so, so much change in a short amount of time. And so I was exhausted by the end of 2016. But I had this light at the end of the tunnel for February going to Costa Rica and going to this yoga teacher training and having that first experience of traveling internationally by myself was a huge trip for me to, um, or chance for me to just connect get connected with my intuition. There was no one to like run the thought by, you know, I just had to like make a choice. So That was kind of a really long answer to your question, but just learning to have compassion for myself was definitely bringing yoga into my life into a more serious way and 
taking that solo trip and having that one-on-one time with me and getting more in touch with my intuition. I feel like I've always been majorly intuitive, but just knowing more of what's out there. It's daily practice and balance, but the big shift was February 2017. No, shit, I just got all my years mixed up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. It was February of this year. This year's been so long. Okay, so this was recent. What's interesting is in that you mentioned disconnecting. You know, you said that you got away. You weren't around a lot of your friends. Um, You were doing things. You did different things as well. When you got disconnected, that helped you get more in touch with your intuition because there were not all these outside influences on what was happening inside of Carly. I like that, yeah. Instead of having all of these outside variables kind of telling me who I am, you know? Um, It was just me in touch with me getting to know who I am and what I believe and what's important to me. Mm -hmm. And that inner voice (laughs) just speaks in such a, a low, calm, comforting tone that it's such a gentle whisper. We don't hear it. We don't feel it. And we think it's something that you hear or see but it's not it's something that you experience and in that experiencing I would say it comes to me when I'm still when I'm present when I'm not allowing everything around me to penetrate my own energy field and I didn't become aware that I had my own energy field until I was by myself it was like what's happening I don't know what to do right now and then something just snapped in me like Here's where we need to go. This is what we need to pursue. Being able to have that isolation time because nobody really likes to be alone. It hurts to be by yourself. It hurts to be alone with some of your thoughts, especially when you spend so much time around other people. And now it's like we live in an age where we feel like we always got to be doing something or we got to be around someone or our phones are right by us. So we're always in communication with someone. We're always waiting on someone to text back. So being able to just disconnect from that, even for a brief period of time, you get to experience that inner self that inner energy field and when you become able to pick up on what yours is you pick up on what other people's are and you decide that there are energies that you like like goes to like and then there are energies that you don't really care to have in your energy field we talked about this yesterday just energy exchanges in conversation or just in presence with other people you want to exchange energy with the type of energies that you want to exchange with i love your cat (laughs) she's like in the background, I don't know if you saw her, but she was just like looking around and then just jumped over you. <laughs> I'm going to be on a podcast, mom. <laughs> yeah, just being able to light your own candle because that's essentially what it is. Like you got by yourself and rather than taking on the flame of someone else, which was temporary, like you found your own inner flame to burn your candle. That's so true. Yes. Thank you for putting that in a good sentence for me. <laughs> it's all right. I got to do this often. And I know people probably get tired of me rambling. I don't Condensing get to talk much. So it just, I'll, I'll explode words all day. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned a couple of things too. We don't talk about how we have sex or like unprotected sex at all. So were there precautions that you took? You said that you didn't stop having unprotected sex after your diagnosis, but what did you do in order to reduce the risk of spreading your HSV to other partners? 
Uh, there was one period where I would took I would take acyclovir uh, as a at a preventative dose to try and minimize the risk of passing along to my partner, but even still, it ended up getting passed to him. With that knowledge, would you say that in your case, was it worth taking the acyclovir? Because there's still going to be a risk, even if the risk is minimalized. Did it help you with reducing outbreaks at all? Well, I ended up going back and to see a doctor after taking the preventative doses, and then my partner contracted it, so I quit taking it. And then maybe six months to a year goes by, and I'm still getting outbreaks you know, every one to three months, if not more. So I ended up going in to see a doctor about it to see what else I could do. And this was a Western med doctor. And she said that I had become immune to acyclovir and vacyclovir and that I was out of options. And that was, I think I was probably 24. So three years ago. And that was traumatic to hear. It was like being diagnosed all over again. And that's when I started going on my journey to holistic healing, Chinese medicine, and other supplementation. And did those begin to work for you better? Did what? Did those alternatives begin to work for you better? Um, Everything would work for a short while, but then it would just come back. Did you end up having to just increase your own ability to heal? Uh, it definitely got worse before it got better. <laughs> so the outbreaks got more intense, more frequent, big blisters. And my stress level was just through the roof. I was stuck in fight or flight. I was on a cycle of stress of I'm stressed out because I have an outbreak and I have an outbreak because I'm stressed out. And I was just feeding the stress monster. And I wrote about this story on my page, but there was one morning where I woke up with an outbreak and it was a new one before the old one was even completely healed. And I was just in tears and I'm like, you know, breathing frantically. And I run to the kitchen and I start like making my teas and my tinctures and swallowing these pills. And I was out of a specific herb. So me and my partner got in the car and we're driving to the Chinese herbal met, uh, herbal store because they were like closed on a certain day or something. So we were like rushing there and I'm just under all of this stress and we pull over and I threw, I threw it all up. I threw up everything that I ingested, and my partner was just like, babe, you need to calm down, and of course, I'm like, don't tell me to calm down, (laughs) you know, like, how am I supposed to calm down when this is happening to me, and like, that's another thing, too, is like, instead of, like, why is this happening to me, you know, what can we learn from it, so really, it was getting my stress under control, that trip to Costa Rica, getting in tune with myself and what's important to me and learning what kind of person I am. Like, sure, I want to work, you know, five, six days a week and I want to read all these books and I want to, you know, like do all of these things and go to all these places. But that's not the kind of person I am. I'm not an A-type personality as much as I want to be like super organized and, you know, get all my stuff done that's not me. And, um, just recognizing when I need to rest and when I need to calm myself out and calm myself down, that was the game changer is when I started, you know, 
I am still working on meditating, but just more of like a walking meditator, just like taking walks out in nature, taking uh, Epsom salt bath, just kind of figuring out the stress monster is number one and yeah. the total game changer for me. None of those supplements were doing it for me when my central nervous system was under attack from myself. <laughs> Do you feel like you got better control of it now? Yes. And I got in, I'm trying another new thing called propolis. It's a B product. It's a salve or a salve that I'm using. And propolis is what the bees use to keep their hive clean and strong. So I just used that the other day and um, used it Friday morning. And by Monday, I was clear which is insane for me. I'm usually like a week or two to heal, but it stopped it in its tracks and healed it. So that's a new find. And so you mentioned your partner a lot. It sounds like your partner was very supportive throughout all of this. You were diagnosed and then you met your partner, you guys dated, and then he became positive, right? Yeah. And I was 23 when we met. Then we ended up breaking up when I was 26, but it was a very healthy cool breakup we're still friends to this day walking away from that relationship after you were positive and he became positive as a result of being with you was there any guilt how hard was it to leave that relationship there was guilt during the initial when he was experiencing his first outbreak we were actually traveling internationally but luckily we were in a place there's just medicine stores on every corner so i went in there and asked for it and i felt bad because i didn't want him to be in pain and I think at that point, too, we still figured that we were going to be together for a really long time. So there wasn't stress about the future or anything. But I just didn't want him to be uncomfortable or in pain. But I know now he's in another relationship and they're happy and everything's good. So he's such a fucking awesome dude. I'm not worried about him being happy and finding the positive. And when we broke up, that wasn't even really a topic of discussion. Like, oh, you gave me this. What am I going to like? No, that it had already been a couple of years at that point that he had had it. So that was already said and done. And only ask that because I don't think I've had the perspective of anyone yet who has knowingly passed it on to a partner. And people say that they would just feel so terrible or guilty if they were dating someone who was HSV negative and they pass it on to them. I know that that's just out of guilt. You know that it happened to you. But I feel like when it's coming from a place of love where it's you've been given the decision to move forward with someone and they were able to make a decision, first of all, because you gave it to mm -hmm. them. I feel like that's really all you need. You know, let them know what the risks are. Allow them to do their research. You give them whatever information you need in order to feel more confident with your decision. And then you got to be able to let that person make the decision as well. And if it works out, great. If it doesn't, then it wasn't meant to be. And I wish that yeah, yeah. more people yeah. would just understand that and see it that way. So you guys broke up for reasons that were unrelated to herpes at yes. all. And, like, when we first met, I was at a place with my herpes that I was more accepting of it. And that came ups and downs. But when we met, I was like, I need to be better about disclosing this. Because in the beginning, you know, I wasn't responsible about disclosing beforehand. And believe me, having the conversation after the fact, that's a harder one to have than just to tell them in the beginning. So when I told him that I had herpes, his reaction was, oh, well... Do you want to be my girlfriend? Should we like make this official then? And I was like, 
did you hear what I said? Like, I never had had that reaction before. Before, it had been like, yeah, okay, yeah, let's just, like, see where this goes. Like, you know, a couple people weren't into it, and other people were accepting, and his was, let's make this official. And I was like, uh, okay. And he had told me, too, because I was like, later, you know, a couple weeks later, I was like, how are you so cool about that? And he had had a scare a couple months before and did the research and found out that it was a common thing that it was something that you can live with and be just fine. It's, you know, cold sores is a pretty word for herpes. It's all the same thing. So, you know, I was, I guess, lucky that he had had an experience with it before. So he was able to do his own research instead of, you know, me popping the big word and him having to look it up then. So, yeah. I think everybody needs a scare. Yeah, we would totally. Yes, everyone needs a scare so that they can educate themselves. And when they go to do the education, I think that there needs to be information at the forefront that demonstrates the reality of this, like not just images of what a fucking zoomed in version of an outbreak looks like. Uh, yeah, don't Google that <laughs> shit. That's the worst. Because <laughs> I, I thought I was going to have it permanently. My first outbreak was the worst. And over the last six, seven years, I may have, I can count on one hand the number of outbreaks that I had. And even then, like if I felt an outbreak coming, I would just take the medication. So I can't mm-hmm. even say that they emerged in the four outbreaks. But if everyone had a scare and they were able to empathize with what that feeling is of an initial diagnosis or an initial being afraid, that, oh shit, I have herpes, then it wouldn't be something that people were afraid of. People would understand that it was manageable. People would understand that there are resources available to help you navigate life with it. There's going to be resources available for support, the emotional support that we're not given from the time that we're diagnosed and we're faced with the challenge of having to find those resources out there. And so being able to have these kinds of resources, being able to find a Carly, a Courtney, an Alexandra, and a Janelle from the STD Project, That is what's going to really help with the overall acceptance of this virus, the inevitability of coming into contact and being exposed to an STI, being understanding of the risk awareness and understanding that where we are in life right now, if it's caught, if we're getting tested regularly, then it's treatable, it's manageable. Unfortunately, I didn't find out much about herpes until I was diagnosed with herpes. So maybe a good scare will help people be more empathetic to it. Definitely. Empathetic is a good word. If you had the scare and you were like that close to having it and then you meet someone that does have it, you're going to have a lot more empathy for them. And it's not going to seem so like out of your reach. You were like closer to experiencing it. Then it's not so, oh my God, taboo. Like you have herpes. That's crazy. It's like literally catch it tomorrow. And then if everyone was tested for it, we would all know that at some point we've been exposed to it. And I'm still trying to figure out. I've reached out to a virologist or someone who can connect me to a virologist so that I can understand. If you test negative, you can still have a presence of antibodies. So over time, I want to know, do those antibodies increase more when your immune system becomes compromised is that an opportunity for the virus to spread itself and allow itself to be at a place where you would be considered positive is it repeated exposure or what i don't know but if everyone were to go and get tested now the statistics show that 90 percent of the planet has herpes so 90 percent of the population would show that they've been exposed to herpes at some point did you ever see world war z with brad pitt um forever ago okay so you saw how everyone would become a zombie or whatever and the zombies would only eat people who weren't sick 
So I put herpes in a lot of movies, one of which was the movie It. So let's do that. So the movie It, for example, only these five, six kids could see the clown. And the clown would fuck with them when they were afraid, right? So all these kids thought they were alone. And then they're like, did you see that clown? Yeah, I saw that clown. Did you see it too? Yeah. And then they were able to come together and beat the shit out of the clown and it died. So it's like... The same, it's the same thing with herpes. We feel alone and we don't want to talk about it. And the clown's big and terrorizing and it can only do anything to us when we're alone or feel alone. But then when we have our support systems, when we're able to disclose that clown, it, herpes, has no power over us. Even on The Walking Dead. On The Walking Dead, everybody has the ability to turn into a zombie. They just have to die. So in this case, it's like... If everyone's been exposed to herpes, their immune system just needs to get compromised to a point where the virus can just come out and have an outbreak. So are we in a similar situation to that? And then the reason I used World War Z was because I thought it was cool. It was like, well, if a zombie apocalypse does come, I have herpes and the zombie's not going to want to eat me. That's what happened in the movie. Like, spoiler alert, if anyone hasn't seen this three, four, five-year-old movie yet. <laughs> but Wait, what's the spoiler alert? The spoiler of, like, this is what the movie was. The only way to not be killed by the zombie. I thought it really was like they weren't people who already had a virus weren't getting into into zombies. Mm -mm. So the people who were zombies would only eat healthy people. So there was a blind kid that all of the zombies ran around when Brad Pitt injected himself with uh, meningitis or something. I think it was meningitis. He was invisible to the zombies or they didn't want anything to do with him because he was sick. And then they were able to kill the zombies because they gave everybody in the world a small dose of meningitis. And (laughs) this was it. So it was like, okay, well, I already have herpes. So if a zombie pops up in here, I can just, it'll look at me. I can knock it upside the head and go on about my business and keep recording this podcast. It's just cool when you're able to project herpes into other situations that are positive or when you can just shift your perspective of it because it really is just a matter of how you respond to it if you're not experiencing the discomfort and the physical symptoms i'm just fortunate to be one of the people who doesn't have a lot of the physical symptoms and i believe that that's wholeheartedly the direct correlation between me openly expressing myself about herpes and not having to carry the weight of the feeling of i need to disclose or someone's gonna find out once i got rid of that like I think that the virus is like oh okay well you did what you were supposed to do I'm gonna just chill you're being true to yourself yeah it's like I'm just gonna chill here like we don't have any conflict (laughs) I can't use you anymore (laughs) because that's what it thrives on like it's banking on us being shameful and secretive because that's how it spreads I mean when you're quiet about it and you're stressed and you're still engaged in sexual contact because you want to have sex that's when the virus is able to reproduce itself that's ultimately what all living beings want to do is just reproduce and that's the same thing with this virus so you just got to be like hey here's a good home you can just chill in here as long as you need to but i'm not gonna allow you to run this body it's like all right cool i'll just pay my rent you know yeah don't let it win yeah so you can have a relationship where it's your guide to stress it's like your stress gauge so you know how stressed you are because you're feeling an outbreak coming on and something needs to be examine so it's a good reason for you to examine that yes i totally agree i feel like i talk way too much i'm sitting there thinking You're doing great. <laughs> yeah courtney yeah this is a great no, episode of me <laughs> i'm doing so awesome on this podcast <laughs> Uh, I know I'm talking a lot and I don't know how much more time you have, but I don't know if you said everything you wanted to say, but we did touch on a lot of things from your experience and we went a few places that I didn't expect for us to go. I hadn't talked about unprotected sex before. I hadn't talked about, um, oh, really? I haven't, 
<laughs> so this is the first time for that. And then just these movie analogies were pretty cool to do. I think I talked about it one time, but that was on somebody else's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> no, that made me smile. I like it. Yeah. No, having this community is like, it's so fucking awesome. And it's been healing for me. And I'm just happy that I'm here for other people. And I want to thank you again, too, for just kind of like yesterday with our phone call. That's what we should have recorded. I know. That was a really good one, hour and a half later. But just also for me to remember that I can't pour from an empty cup. So I need to recognize when I need to reach out to someone and be heard because I try not to look at my phone first thing in the morning, but I know that we're all guilty of it. And so when I'm opening up my Instagram and I've got, you know, a handful of people that I feel like I need to console, it's nice to be able to come to you or this community as well and have your support and have you to turn people to as well. So, yeah, you know, I'm here for you. Stoked to be here. We got to keep our cups full. And I mean... Every now and then you got to go to a pitcher, wherever that pitcher may be, yeah. um, be it just a community of individual cups that are pouring in and getting a little bit. But we ultimately fuel each other and keep each other motivated, um, which is why I'm so happy to be a part of and have you be a part of the Hands organization, mm-hmm. Herpes Activist Networking to Dismantle Herpes Stigma. <laughs> I messed that up. Herpes, herpes Activist Activists. Networking to Dismantle Stigma. <laughs> yeah, I, I threw, so an, long, I threw an extra perfect. herpes in there. But yeah, I think that a group like this is very necessary because it does give a space where you get to see so many different people who are dismantling the stigma in their own way. Me with this podcast, Alexandra with her life with Herpes Channel and podcast, Um, Devin, Janelle, who has the nonprofit, the STD Project and Leads Hands. There's so many of us who are contributing in our own ways and allowing ourselves to be out there for people to find when they're diagnosed because this is really what people need. We just need connection that's what we're looking for that's the first thing a lot of people are looking for when they're diagnosed like they feel that there's going to be an absence of connection because there's a lower likelihood of them being able to have intimate contact with someone as a result of this virus which is totally not true not true at all (laughs) it's an overwhelming feeling but you got to learn to love yourself yeah you got to just show up for yourself and find that balance and journaling is so important and so powerful just yeah finding your people finding your community yeah in the right places too because you can find community in the wrong places i think i did it for a while yeah i I found my peace or my escape in the wrong places yeah drinking partying (sighs) that yeah that's a slippery slope and that definitely won't help you when you're trying to get your immune system up yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Carly, it's been great talking to you. Is there anything Thank else you, you want to leave everyone with? Hum, um, um, I think I'd just like to leave everyone with knowing that you are loved, you are supported, you are enough, and everything you need is already inside of you. Like Courtney and I were talking about just having those silent moments with yourself practicing listening to your intuition it's just like any other muscle in the body you just gotta like keep practicing and we love you and we're here for you absolutely how can people find you if they want to get in contact (laughs) i am on instagram it's carly fit c-a-r-l-e-e 
and I'm on Facebook, Harley Fit, and that's it for now. For now. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Carly. This concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, share, review, and subscribe to this podcast in order to help us get out there and just be in front of the people who need us most. It's such a challenge to find these resources and find other people who are living through and able to educate us and show us from their experience that we are able to manage this virus and navigate life with it. I'm so grateful to be a part of this and have so many people have reached out, have so many people become connected to communities and get the kind of support that was absent from them upon their diagnosis. So I want to continue to allow something positive for positive people to be a hub of sexual health resources and experiences from people who are living with an STI and people who are just able to share a story of their life challenges and navigating those and how they were able to persevere through them. Each of these stories, if you remove the STI, you remove the herpes, you remove the HIV, you are still left with a story of her perseverance. I almost said herpseverance. <laughs> that would have been more appropriate. <laughs> but please continue to just check out the podcast. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Reddit, at H on my chest. If you want to connect with me, the best place to do is on Instagram. It's at H O N M Y C H E S T. Till next time, stay positive.